I think sometimes the calling that a person chooses is not necessarily out of the ideals of whether it will make money or not. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you feel moved to make certain decisions. And I think that sometimes the areas where you feel the greatest pain to want to help are yeah. sometimes also the areas of your greatest calling. And the highest amount of love that you could ever have, even if it might not be for the craft, but for the person, is to know your stuff. Mm. Like that is the highest amount of love that you can ever have. Be good at what you do. E, ah, san, kaishi. Hello there and welcome to the Journey Through Med podcast. I'm Blessing Tonyeva, a fourth year medical student currently in China. And I'm privileged to carry you along on my journey through medicine. On this podcast, I share my experiences and have insightful conversations with people in the medical field. So whether you're a medical student, an aspiring doctor, or simply curious about what goes on behind the curtains in a hospital ward, this podcast is for you. So grab your headphones, get a cup of coffee, find a cozy spot, get comfortable, and let's get started on this exciting podcast adventure together. This is the Journey Through Med podcast, and your journey is a story worth hi guys welcome to episode 38 and the second episode of the year i'm excited about this episode because i have someone special on today's episode he is dr reynard i don't want to mention your say name <laughs> but he is a medical graduate who is passionate about missions philanthropy and education welcome to the podcast Dr. Reynard. Now on this podcast, I'm totally allowed to add a doctor to your name. Uh, okay, I understand. I'll <laughs> give you that as long as I can also call you um, Dr. Blessing. It is yeah. so awesome to be here. Hey there, Journey Through Med um, uh, listeners. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a privilege and a great blessing. Okay, let's begin with a random question session. Oh my. Are you ready? <laughs> No, no, no? I'm not. <laughs> but um, it's okay. It's okay. Um, okay. Let me let me see what you can throw at me. Okay, you pick two numbers, one to ten. Oh my, uh, seven. I'll go seven. seven first. Yes. Okay. Who or what did your younger self want to become, and why? Oh my word! Who or what did my younger self want to become? My younger self wanted to become a lot of things. There was a time when I wanted to become an astronaut. There was a time when I wanted to become a race car driver. There was a time when I wanted to become a Power Ranger. To be honest, whatever the best (laughs) cartoon was, Uh um, I wanted to become that. And all of the phases of the things that I wanted to become, I think the reason why I even liked science in particular Mm-hmm. was because every hero from a superhero comic book was a scientist. So Mr. Fantastic was a scientist. Bruce Banner, the Hulk, was a scientist. Um, <laughs> Tony Stark, Iron Man, was a scientist. And because that is what I was exposed to on TV, um, unlike other people, my dreams were not necessarily uh drawn out by the people who are around me who would always mm-hmm. be like, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or, a, or, or, or like a policeman or something like that. Mm-hmm. But rather, it was the cool image of the nerd that I used to see on TV, um, like those people. Spider-Man was also like really good at science. And so I, I don't know if I always wanted to be a scientist, but I do know that I always wanted to be a hero. 
and all of the heroes were scientists. So, Here goes our yeah. hero. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's embarrassing. I don't think I've ever actually said that publicly, but most of my inspirations came from cartoons. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Very. <laughs> okay, so I know something about you that I think most people don't know. More, yeah, like most most people probably. Most cool. people probably would. Your second number. Oh my. Um, I do not know whether to pick eight or two. Eight or two. Okay. That's yes. all. <laughs> <laughs> um, help me pick between eight or two. Okay, eight. If you were to All teach right. a younger version of yourself any lesson, what would that be? Oh my, um, if I were to teach a younger version of myself any lesson, it would definitely be any lesson earlier. People are important, one. Mm. Um, two, don't be afraid. <laughs> I think, I think, don't be afraid. Like, just try something new. I think that's advice that I would even tell myself right now, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest. Like, yeah, I think that that's advice that... I would even tell myself right now, um, do not, yeah, like, don't, don't be afraid. I am one of those people who um, constantly thinks about various possibilities of things could happen. And so because of that, there's always like, you know, I'm always like, oh, what if this happens? And then what if that happens? And sometimes it's very helpful to be like one or two steps ahead. Yeah. But the thing is the fact that when I... Even if I can see what is right in front of me, if I can't see what is three steps ahead of me, I like I kind of withdraw from. Mm. I I don't panic exactly, not okay. outward panic, but I withdraw from that possibility. Um, when yeah, there are probably so many things that I could have tried that I was just uh too afraid to try because I was too cautious. So I would have probably said something like, "Try more new things." Yeah, try, try, try more new things. And I think people who know me might look at that and think that's weird because I'm always suggesting new things, but <laughs> not like, not as, I haven't taken as many risks as I would like to. Yeah. Mm. So to younger Reynard, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, going into your journey in medicine, what sparked your interest? Oh my word. Um. Okay, what sparked my interest in there's, okay, there's a difference between what sparked my interest in medicine and what actually got me to study it. Okay, there are two different things. I think so, yeah. Okay, let's hear it. All right. So I would say that, like, the typical generic thing whereby there are some people mm -hmm. who carve their own path, and then there are other people whose path kind of gets carved for them. I don't know if, okay. if you know the difference that it is that... That I mean, um, some people, right, will actively be like, listen, from the time that I was young, this is what I wanted. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted to be a doctor or my parents always said be a doctor or something like that. Yeah. But then there's another thing whereby, like, you go to school, right, and it's time for exams and you pass all of the exams. And it's like, OK, now it's time for you to choose a combination. And, you know, well, it's definitely a science related combination. And then you go over and then you do that. And then you pass that and it's like, oh, okay, what's next? And it's like, well, like most people with your results would go and do medicine. Okay. And then it's like, so go and do medicine. But I don't think that that was the only thing. I would also say that it was particularly Ben Carson's book, Think Big. Okay, Think Big. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Have you read it? Yes, I have. And when most people mention Ben Carson in their story, it's usually related to the gifted hands, not gifted Think hands. Big. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, the reason why it was Think Big is because I think um, like so many things on that acronym were great. And uh, I would say the B over there, like uh, that was the first book of his that I read before okay. I read Gifted Hands. Mm. So like just that B and how fulfilled he seemed like within his work. But um, I would say there are so many things that happened the year before that pushed me into that direction as well. Okay. Um, I would say it's actually a bit of a sad story, but it's one of the reasons why I have such a passion for systems. I don't know which one to pick, but this one is the one which is in my head most acutely. Once I was walking home from town, quite it was quite a distance, like a few kilometers. And as I was walking home, I remember the person who was, uh, there was a guy who was walking in front of me. Mm. And um, well, the guy just fainted. He collapsed on the ground. And uh, we all went around to try to see what it is that had happened. And uh, it turns out because the person was diabetic, he actually had hypoglycemia. And oh. that's, why he, that's why he had fainted. So we managed to get him sugar and stuff. But then when that happened, the ambulance arrived. And I grew up in Zimbabwe. Um, and when the ambulance arrived, I remember this man being on the floor. But as the ambulance people tried to pick him up, he resisted. He was like, mm, mm, mm. and um, he was. He used the little strength that he had to say no to going to the hospital. Oh. Um, I was, I was really, really surprised. And then soon after, after he was given like you know a bit more sugar, a bit more bread, and he regained consciousness. He was like, no, I'm not going with you guys. I'm not going with you guys. And people were like, why, bro? Like, just go yeah. back to the, j j just go to the hospital. And he said, that's because the hospital is literally where I'm coming from right now. Oh. And so what had happened with this man is that he had actually fainted earlier on um, in the city center. And mm. when he had fainted in the city center, they took him to the hospital. But the complaint that he had was that when he got to the hospital, he stayed for a very long time, one, without being seen. And two, he also... Um, you would think that if a person faints from hypoglycemia, the first thing that you're also going to try to do is give him food as well. Mm -hmm. And apparently they didn't. Um, he said that all that it is that they did was put me on drip and he like, that was fine. So after he regained consciousness, this man was now walking from the hospital to go and do some garden work for somebody. And this distance was over eight kilometers long. And it's somebody who didn't have any energy to begin with, but yeah. they're walking that long distance. And he was like, if I go to the hospital, there is nothing that I'm going to get. They mm. did nothing for me before. And if you guys can just allow for me to go and work where I can get myself $5, then that'll be okay. I would rather go to work than mm. go to the hospital. I don't want to go to the hospital. And I think when that happened, uh, multiple things, my grandmother had surgery and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. But there was something which I felt was deeply wrong. And so soon after my A-levels, I went and I actually volunteered in different departments in the hospital. So oh. before coming to, to China, mm. I think I spent about a month or two months. I spent one within like um, the pharmacy department, uh, occupational therapy, uh, physiotherapy, rehab, psych, mm. uh, as well as um, like X-ray and radio. And after a while, like I was like, oh, this is this is cool. And I could talk to you about some of the things that I saw in the system then, but maybe that might come up in another question. But I think that was something that really 
made me think to myself, oh, this is maybe something that I think sometimes the calling that a person chooses is not necessarily out of the ideals of whether it will make money or not. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you feel moved to make certain decisions. And I think that sometimes the areas where you feel the greatest pain to want to help are yeah. sometimes also the areas of your greatest calling. Yeah, and, um, I love that's that. That's what I could say it was for yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. So um, in China, in China, how has your journey been so far? Or how was your journey in China? Six years? Mm, all right. Well, uh, what can I say? I had a plan before coming to China <laughs> and um, I don't know if it turned out in the exact same way, but I'm still really uh, grateful. So how China happened, um, how China happened, China actually happened because of books like Think Big, but particularly mm-hmm. um, it was also mostly because of another book. Uh, I, I know you're definitely familiar with Robert Kiyosaki, right? Mm-hmm. I believe. And uh, most people are familiar with the first book, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But um, I actually really like his other books much more. And I think one of the best books that he wrote was one which was known as Cashflow Quadrant. And so what Cashflow Quadrant does is Cashflow Quadrant talks about the, what's it called? The different ways in which a person can be able to earn an income um, Mm -hmm. within their career. And he divides it into four blocks. He says that you can either do it as an employee, right? Um, and it's like four boxes. Think of it as four boxes. And then there's E, there's S, there's B, there's I. And on the left side of the quadrant, he had employee and a self-employed person. Now, um, there are advantages and disadvantages towards both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the employee, for example, maybe take being a doctor, you are part of a system, right? Yeah. And so what that means is that we are part of like maybe the hospital system. We work. And then, like, maybe the government or whatnot is the one which gets the money and stuff. There are advantages such as security. I mean, that's one of the reasons why so many people pick this job, right? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, I want to be a doctor, particularly because it will leave me um, very, very secure. I know that I can find a job wherever yeah. that I go. But then there's also, like, other disadvantages that are there. For example, you can't control your own time. Um, <laughs> in Zimbabwe, so many people went, uh, like, on strike because you know, like just how pay was at the time Mm. and stuff. And so there were plenty of limitations. Um, And even though you want to do good, sometimes you'd be like, I want to do good, but I don't know if I want to work for the government Uh, (laughs) and stuff. So that, 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 that kind of led me, made me a bit skeptical from, from being an E. And then there was being an S, um, which he calls a specialist or a self-employed person. Now, with a specialist or a self-employed person, that's usually where it is that we kind of say is maybe the next phase of success after a person becomes a doctor, right? Where, like, first, maybe you've worked in, like, the general hospital um, for your government to work for some time, mm-hmm. but then maybe you manage to go and you open up your own practice, right? And I think that's what I used to want to do until I read that book. And when I read that book, one of the things that it is that he said about being an SOS specialist is it's great mm-hmm. in the sense that you've got your own, you, you can control your own time, you can control your own hours, people just come to you for consultations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also the disadvantage in the sense that being a specialist or being self-employed is one of the few places where it is that you become busier the more successful you get. Mm. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. Um, like if you are a gynecologist 
and you become popular enough for you to be the best gynecologist in town, then the more that you actually succeed, the more mm -hmm. busy that you actually become. Yeah. And I think I had seen that in so many, I did not necessarily know what I wanted, but I did know what I didn't want. And I used to hear so many kids say something like, oh yeah, like our dad has got money. Or I used to spend a lot of time with my dad mm -hmm. until he became successful. And I don't think that I wanted that. Mm -hmm. And then the thing that he suggested was going over to like learning how to build systems. So like becoming either a business owner or an investor. And I think um, when I was in A-level, the times that I would walk home, I always knew that I wanted to help people. But um, in terms of the conventional paths, like passing from employee to self-employed to business owner and stuff, I asked myself, what is the quickest way in which I can be able to go from student to ES and then get to business owner quickly in such a way that I can be able to build systems where I work with maybe other doctors and at least we still manage to maintain a work-life balance when it is that we get there. And I'd heard that it was possible to mm. be able to get jobs in China. And so... After applying, um, I had told myself that, oh, China would be a great place. When I get there, I'll also be able to work and study at the same time so that I can be able to, yeah, build towards getting to uh, a B-side. So that's why I chose China in part. Yeah, that, that's why I chose China in particular. It was because I wanted, to, in, in A-level, before I started university, I had kind of had this plan of how it is that I, my career was going to progress. And mm. I thought that uh, China was probably the one which was going to move that forward um, the most. As of how it's been, pretty, pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool. I don't know where you would want me to like fix or concentrate on because, I mean, it's six years, so I have a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you make any major mistake in your in your journey major mistake mm -hmm. let me see either with friends or um academically or what yes there was a time when i tried to do things alone okay yeah but medicine is a team sport. Medicine is a team sport, I think. To anybody who is listening to this in medical school or like even when you when you get out, medicine is a team sport. Um, I, it's, um, I think particularly during COVID. Uh, during COVID, because like, you know, there were the lockdowns and stuff, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, one moved... Uh, I I thrive more within a corporate environment. So even when it comes to like the way in which I used to study and stuff, most of the time, uh, the way in which I can get if I've grasped information is if I can teach it to another person accurately. If I can teach it well, or if I can explain a complicated concept to another person well, then that's cool. So I usually used to like just get people around before exams. And for me, studying was just being like, hey, you are about to get into pharmacology, right? Come, 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 come. Let me teach you everything before. <laughs> okay. And, 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 and stuff. However, during COVID, um, because like they weren't that many people uh, yeah. that were around and we were all locked up, one, it, it, it made it hard to be able to do that. And I would say the greatest mistake that it is that I made was not utilizing online platforms enough and thinking that like I could have been able to get through it alone. Because of that, it took me much longer to finish assignments. It took me, and I know that that's peculiar 
you know, it took me much longer to uh, even like just to grasp or understand some concepts. But the moment when it is that like I just went and communicated with more people and reached out and I was like, hey, um, what do you think of this thing? And we got to discuss, which was after a really long time, mm. after a really, really, really long time um was when i would say that things yeah things started to work out for the better again so don't do uh yeah for me doing things alone <laughs> during med school that wasn't that wasn't right yeah yeah what role did discipline play in your whole journey or in your success you would say you're successful right after um, all you've graduated <laughs> so wait before that question before that question yes. what does medical success mean to you what does medical success mean to me one of the missions that i always had from the time that I was a child um, was I would like to try to help as many people as I can mm. without hurting myself or others. Mm. And it's one, of, it's one of the goals that haunts me to this day. To be honest, I would say that it is very subjective, but God rewards. God rewards the labor that we put in. Mm-hmm. God rewards the labor that we put in. But a person isn't just one thing. And so uh, one of the things that I've always done when measuring impact upon life as well as like myself and the impact one has on other people is that most of the time, uh, oh, can I, can I just use the Bible as an analogy for yeah, this? Yeah, definitely. I, I hope you don't yeah. mind. No. Now, in the book of Genesis, what it is that you see is that, like, it looks as though Adam has four key relationships, mm-hmm. which um, which he's got. The first one, of course, is a relationship with God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then the second one is the relationship that it is that he has with others, mainly his wife. And then there's the relationship that it is that he has with creation, with the rest of nature, right? What he, the relationship that he has with the animals and like, um, you know, his work and all of that stuff. And then lastly, there's the relationship that he has within himself, like mm-hmm. like, like with himself. Yeah. And what it is that you find is, you know, after everything that happens um, within the garden, um, the relationship with God is broken. And that causes a fragmentation of the relationships with everything else. And so, um First of all, it's the first time that Adam ever feels fear. So he has a bad relationship with himself. From being somebody who was very secure within his identity, it ends up he ends up being somebody who is fearful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. He doesn't have a good relationship with himself. And um, he ends up blaming the people who are around him. Oh, it was the women who you gave me. Blah, 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 uh-huh. blah, 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 blah. So that means that initially he had a good relationship with others, but that was broken as well. And then there's the relationship that we have with creation. And I would say that the, the way that that works is the way in which you manage your work, the way in which you manage your time, the way in which you manage everything that is, that, that is around you, your money, right? It is an aspect of creation um, that is over there and you have a relationship with it. And so what it is that you find is that his relationship with creation is broken. Even if he uh, tills the ground, the ground is going to bring out thorns and thistles. Mm. And all of those four relationships are uh, broken. The relationship with God, the relationship with himself, the relationship with others, and the relationship with nature. Now, what it is that I've noticed is, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it back to another perspective. Usually, what people do is that they thrive within some areas of like these four key pillars, which I can say really build up my life. Okay. Um, and when it is that you go too much into one, it might affect the other. Mm. 
So the first one is definitely like maintaining a relationship with with God first. But I would say that sometimes people end up having a relationship with nature or a relationship with work, whereby it's like, this is all that it is that I've got, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is where it is that I get my identity and stuff and stuff and stuff. And yes, you could put like 23 hours of your life into that. But what it is that I've commonly noticed is that when you have one relationship or two relationships, let, like let's say the relationship with yourself and the relationship with um, your like your work, when when that's all together, it might mean that one thing might get neglected. And so mm. maybe it might be your relationship with your family and yeah. stuff and stuff and stuff. Yeah. And I never wanted to be a doctor who was so renowned as, oh, he cares for all of his patients and yet not have a relationship with my children. Mm. And so um, what it is that, not that I have children, I'm still very far from having them, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's something that I do think about. Mm-hmm. And so props to the people who have given their lives only to medicine, props to the people who have given their lives only to God. And like, th- this, is, this is a great example, I think maybe that we can say, because plenty of people would say something like, oh, um, I pray for like 20 hours in like a day or something, mm-hmm. right? I have such a great relationship with God. And then it's like, yeah, but when was the last time you spoke to your family? Like, mm-hmm. when was the last time that um, you actually, like, stewarded, like, the things which it is which were around you? Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, success looks like shalom. Success looks like balance in mm-hmm. all of the areas that are meant to, that are meant to have your attention. And so if you are thriving within your calling as a doctor and your calling as a brother, because you're being born to the family that you were born into, that's a calling as well. Yeah, you get what I yeah. mean? That's, that, 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 that's a calling as well. You could not have been born into any other family. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think for me, success would look like, one, um, my patients are doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Two, I have a good relationship with myself in the sense that I recognize that my worth does not come from whether a patient dies or does not die. Because mm. if so, I think so many doctors would be crazy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> my worth does not come from the way in which people esteem me. So even as a doctor, it's very easy to fall into pride. But mm. no, like, mm-hmm. but it also... It, it it also doesn't come from the fact that if people look down upon me, I, I like I know the qualification that I've got. And at the same time, you know, the, if there's balance between my work, others, God, and the rest of creation, I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like I would be happy. So that's my philosophy. If I can keep these four things in balance, um, whether I am in a job or not, these four things in mm. balance are the things which it is which defines success for me. I love that um, four-pillar perspective. This is the first time I'm hearing it, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, really. And I'm just thinking about it um, with God, with yourself, with what you have been committed to do and with the people that you've been committed with. And that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And if if I can just add one thing. Uh Uh-huh. Because this will actually then end up tying into one of the reasons why it is that I have such a passion for for public health. Mm -hmm. You really see it when it is that you see your patients, right? And then what it is that you realize, um, and and I remember seeing cases whereby all of these four things, particularly when I used to volunteer at home, you would find out that sometimes the reason why it is that a person's body is breaking down 
might be because there is something which is out of balance with yeah. the four pillars. Somebody mm-hmm. comes with ulcers and then it's like, ah, mother, you're a very successful woman and stuff. Like, well, what, what's happening? And then they'll be like, well, like, I'm stressed. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like, uh, how are you stressed? And it's like, ah, oh, man, like, I work so much. I work mm-hmm. so much. I haven't been sleeping. I work so, 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 yeah. so, 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 so much. And I think that's an example of somebody who maybe doesn't have a good relationship with something like with the work that has been stewarded to them. If you get what if if you get what it is that I mean, but then there's other times when you see a person coming and they are ill and they don't have a good relationship with other people, and this can manifest in the sense that sometimes you know you find patients will come and when the patients come it's like um okay is there anyone who we can call no uh, yeah my father is not like of course yes your father not being around is not something that you can control but it's like ah no. I left my husband. Don't call him. Don't even call him. Don't tell him. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Don't tell him that I'm having a baby and, and, and stuff. Um, and that might actually, you know, end up leading towards a, a different road. And other times where you can tell that, you know, at the end of the day, the only way in which this person will be able to keep hope is if they have God. Mm-hmm. And so even for my patients, one of the things that it is that I'm looking at is going beyond physical healing when it comes to them. Um, yeah, we've we, we've 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 treated the symptom, but when you go home, please have a good relationship with food. Food is not your god. Do not eat sugar, <laughs> or, or like do not do, don't don't be putting so much salt in your food. And I mm-hmm. think that for me, when I'm looking at patients as well, I'm trying to also wonder how is it that they can become more balanced within these four pillars as well. Yeah, yeah. love that perspective. <laughs> So back to the back to the question, what role yes. did discipline play in your entire oh journey? Uh, there was that. What role did discipline play? You consider yourself a disciplined person, right? Well, that, that's the thing. What it is, when you break that word down, mm. right? When you break that word down, um, I would say that it ends up meaning, sometimes it can mean something different. Okay. When most people hear the word discipline, they would maybe say something like, oh, well, I always woke up at 5 a.m., you know, like I always studied at 7, you know, like mm-hmm. I was the guy who, even if people wanted to go out on a Friday night, I would be like, no, it's time for me to study, you know, yeah. that stuff. But um, I think that the word uh, discipline is what creates the word disciple, right? Mm, okay. And so um, a, a disciple is a person who follows a particular discipline, if, 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 if you get what I mean. So yeah. there's discipline in the sense of, um, how you manage your time, how you manage this, um, mm. how, how much self-control you have of yourself. But then there's also discipline in terms of givenness to a particular thing. Okay. Do you get me? Like I am following this particular discipline. This is the area that it is that I'm committing myself to. And so I would say something like, I um, probably wasn't the most time-conscious person. Like I will not lie to you and say something like, Every day I studied for five hours. <laughs> you know. Okay. <laughs> this yeah. is this is this is a podcast, and and one of like one of the things that I guess most people would do when they get here is they put on their motivational voice, and they're yeah. like, "If you're not willing to do the work mm-hmm. as a doctor and wake <laughs> up at five a.m., listen, there are people who are waiting on your life." Um. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Um. I would. I would say something like I may not have been like the person who always made it to class on time or what, 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 mm-hmm. what, 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 what. But 
I can talk about discipline as in devotion, as in devotion towards a particular thing, devotion to making sure that when it is that I finally have patients, I am able to treat them well. And um, I think that when that when that begins to happen, you stop splitting your time. You you stop splitting your time in terms of only saying that okay, like this is this or this is that, but rather it becomes more of a hey, how, how can I phrase this? Um, medicine begins to become seen in everything, if you get what I mean. Ooh, let let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, unpack medicine. That. Oh, okay. Um, so I had a senior. Her name was Heather. She was one of my favorite and uh, like my favorite people. And uh, the people who I lived with were seniors. They were, I think they were just nerds, man. We would be walking in the subway. And I, I remember this is a lady. She would come and she would ask me, what color was your poo today? And I'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh that is one of the most concrete examples that like that i had Mm. uh like over there so there were people who most of the time they were very they were very like when when you'd see them they would have like these um discussions where they would really really have fun like you know talking and stuff and stuff and stuff and as i said it may not have been based in routine but um, they did love the discipline, if, if, if you get what I mean. And they're the types of people who, even when we were at church and somebody came and gave a testimony, oh, I was feeling pain in my back. Uh, she was the type of person who would turn over to like someone like George and be like, you know, it must have been a case of this oh. <laughs> and stuff like mm-hmm. this kind of like discussing it in church. Mm-hmm. And so um, Ali Abdal, I don't know if you follow him, yeah, like Dr. Do. Dr. Ali Abdal. Mm-hmm. One of the things that it is that he talks about is like the essence of feel good productivity okay. where the the more that it is that you enjoy something, uh, mm. the more that you find yourself like effortlessly going through it. And the things that it is that I remember right now are basically the subjects that it is that I enjoyed. And sometimes I could go for those for like a long time. I loved biochemistry, um, mm. for example, um, and stuff. So just being able to connect um, ideas towards seemingly random things was probably what was most helpful rather than, yeah, keeping keeping routine. I would say, yeah, loving what, loving, loving the craft, loving the, dis, like loving the discipline mm. helped me more than discipline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Loving the discipline of medicine, loving what you're studying, loving what you're learning, loving what you are, you do, loving who you are becoming rather than wake up at 5 a.m., do this and do that yes. and go to class and do that. <laughs> yes. And loving your patients too, because yeah. at the end of the day, that is what that's that's what studying is, right? Mm-hmm. The profession that it is that we've gotten into. And I wish someone had told me this earlier because I don't know if I would have picked it. Mm. But it's one where we are going to be studying for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Like, and I am a person who responds to need. Um, sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes that's a bad thing. It mm. means that if I don't see a lot of needs in front of me, I become complacent. But if it's a matter of the fact that you are coming. And then a patient comes and you can actually tell this person needs help. Your lack of competence could cost this person their life. And the highest amount of love that you could ever have, even if it might not be for the craft, but for the person, is to know your stuff. Mm. Like that is the highest amount of love that you can ever have. Be good at what you do. 
And that right there is loving your neighbor in a way which is much greater than, than anything. And so if you love people, if you love the people who you are going to serve, mm. um, then yeah, give yourself to that. And if you don't, it's okay. Look for a specialty where you will actually find the people who are on the other side who you might love or what, what not. Because I think that people will always be empowered when they do their best work. And this is one of the reasons why mm -hmm. I'm so sad, for example, that within Zimbabwe and I think so many countries, people are limited from studying medicine, not due to whether they have a passion for it or not, but they simply look at a piece of paper like your yeah. results and they say, yeah, yeah, no, you're not qualified. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's it's sad. Mm. I wish that could change. You would change that. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope yeah. so. So will you. I mean, like you're already like bringing the 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 aspect, a perspective on medicine to so many other people, right? So. <laughs> yeah, we we thank God. And that's it for part one of this episode. If you've been inspired and you've been challenged, the conversation continues in the next episode. So be sure to listen and do not forget to share, to follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or wherever, whichever platform that you are listening with. This is the Jenny Thumet Podcast and always, always, always your journey is a story worth telling. See you in the next one.